you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey there, everybody. It is Monday, August 15th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're like the Beatles or Jesus playing Red Rocks. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio, producer Randy Chavez, of course, at the controls. And uh, man, it's I got to say, Florio, it was it was a hell of a weekend for me, man. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be in Canton this past weekend for the Fantasy Football Expo, the King's Classic Draft, the Fantasy Football Expo. Uh, I know that you had some other things, so you couldn't quite make it, but it was a hell of a time, dude. You, 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 I'm telling you this right now. You got to be there next year. I want to. I, I, I really want to check it out. I, I was living through um, yours and other people's posts on, on Twitter and social media and stuff. And I mean, the fantasy stuff aside, just everything else you guys got to do. You were telling me cornhole tournament, a flag <laughs> football game just and, and with people that 
I know it's like little Avies to get to meet them. Like that seems like so much fun. That was maybe the best part is meeting is putting faces to Twitter handles, right? And kind of getting to meet a lot of those folks there. I will say a lot of you are taller than I thought you were, uh, which fun fact, I think some, some people out there told me that I was taller than, than they thought I was too. So I guess, uh, I guess it's you all definitely fair. fit in the tall, in the tall uh, grouping, I would say. That's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's but better than short. So I guess so, but it, it was great to be out there. I, this was my first year being a part of the expo. Uh, it was nice to, to reconnect with some of the Kings classic folks that uh, I hadn't seen in person. Some of them in two or three years, uh, nice to meet a lot of people for the first time that I only knew via the internet and, and honestly a huge, huge, huge shout out uh, to Bob long who really worked his tail off. I, I think I only saw Bob sitting, I think the only time I saw him sit down was when he actually sat down to do a draft. Uh, so like the hour, hour and a half that draft took, I think the only time I saw Bob actually sitting this weekend. So uh, Bob, you know, kudos to you for everything you've done to put this thing together and grow it. Uh, I think there were somewhere around 750 people that attended this year. Uh, I know it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So Bob, you deserve to sleep for a week uh, after what you did this past weekend in Canton. So, uh, I enjoyed it. If, if you were there and I met you, uh, I'm glad we had the chance to communicate. If I didn't get to meet you, hopefully we can do that in the future. Uh, and it is a great time. If you haven't been, uh, I, I highly recommend going. It is dude. It's fantasy football Coachella, Florio. That's probably the best way to describe it. So, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, th those are like two great things that like kind of, cause regular Coachella for me, I I'm too old for now. I, I but <laughs> But fantasy football one signed me up all day. Absolutely. It was a, it was an absolute great time. So I, I highly recommend it if you ever have the chance. I believe they've already set the dates, uh, August 11th and 12th of 2023 in Canton. So uh, I'd say get your tickets now, but it's it's you can wait. It's fine. You got time. <laughs> uh, by the way, I should uh, let you all know, you know, you can still sign up for NFL Fantasy. Get your league started today if you haven't already. It is free. It is fun. Just go to NFL.com slash fantasy uh, or you can download the fantasy app. Uh, we are continuing with our division previews. Today, we're moving on to the AFC South. So we've got those four teams that we are going to break down. Uh, you know, I will. I know there was a lot that happened in the preseason uh, over the weekend. We could probably do a full show just on George Pickens and the fact that his ADP is probably headed through the roof uh, after what happened this weekend. But uh, there were a couple of notable news headlines uh, that happened over the weekend. First one, maybe the biggest one, Zach Wilson. Uh, looks like he's avoided a major knee injury. I just know that, you know, on Friday night uh, in Canton, a lot of us are you know, still kind of keeping track of Twitter and you know, the news that Zach Wilson went down with a non-contact injury had everybody certainly talking for a little bit and wondering maybe if, if it was going to be the worst news, uh, but it was not. So they expect that he'll be back soon. Week one, though, is in question for Wilson uh, as he kind of recovers from what's being called a bone bruise, a meniscus tear. Uh Earlier, you know, in a recent show, Florio, you said you sort of like Zach Wilson potentially as a sleeper and you like kind of what this Jets offense was. Knowing what the situation is, does this change at all how you feel about Zach Wilson this year? Yeah, it does. I think it takes him off of that radar as like a late uh, dart throw, high upside type of quarterback to something like that because one, no preseason now probably for him the rest of the way. That That hurts. He's likely, they're saying, to miss early in the season. They're saying two to four weeks, potentially longer. Um, and then another reason why I was excited about him was because he can run and add fantasy points with his legs. So now that comes into question as well. So I, I think I will take Zach Wilson off of my draft board as like someone that I like in the later rounds. And I'll make him more, 
Uh, someone that I'll keep an eye on when he makes his return, uh, whether that, you know, in September or whenever that is. Uh, and, and I'll keep a close eye on him there because I still believe that this guy has all the talent in the world physically. But Marcus, in the little bit that we saw him play, the old Zach Wilson came out. Like he overthrew Garrett Wilson uh, on a short little pass. And then uh, on his the one interception he threw, like he just completely missed the linebacker and threw it right to him. So still a lot of uh, of the mental woes that that I was hoping that would get rid of in year two. So he's off my draft radar for now. That's that's sort of the thing. I mean, physically, you hope he is able to come back and play this year. But if he cannot avoid some of those WTF throws and some of those those mental mistakes, then I think it's going to be really, really hard to trust him. Um, how's this? If, if if Zach Wilson doesn't progress this year, if he still looks kind of like the same quarterback that we saw last year, are we are we totally out on him on fantasy? Like I, I know we we tend to have uh, very short leashes with fantasy players. If if Zach Wilson does not progress, are, are we as a fantasy community going to just kind of wash our hands of him? I, I I think it depends on what his season looks like because. Uh, if you would have said that after year two for Josh Allen, you you would be hating yourself right now. And, <laughs> and I know that Josh Allen is the exception, not the rule. And I hate that people try to compare every young quarterback to Josh Allen now. But it depends on what Zach Wilson's season looks like. Like if he doesn't put, you know, if he's not a breakout like star, but he takes steps in the right direction and does some stuff well, then I think it's okay to say, all right, we'll, we'll give him another year. But if he looks a lot like he did last season, then it just might be this, this guy's never going to put it all together because the thing with Josh Allen and not to comp, you know, someone to, to one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the world, he showed signs of growth in year two. So if Zach Wilson can show signs of growth, maybe I won't be super bullish about him next year, but I won't be fully done with him. But if he looks a lot like he did last season and he's just making a bunch of mental mistakes, it, it it's going to get hard to buy back in for year three. Yeah, I, I I probably kind of feel you feel you on that one. Um, knowing that it looks like it looks right now like Joe Flacco is going to be starting at least week one. Uh, that's the early indication. Does this change how and where you're drafting any of those Jets guys, like the the Garrett Wilsons? Uh, you know, I guess the Brees Halls. That, does this have any impact on that? I think so. I, I think with the passing game, it lowers all of their ceilings. I, I think you can make the argument that it stabilizes their floor a little bit more. I'm much less interested in Garrett Wilson, though, with Joe Flacco than I am with Zach Wilson, because Zach Wilson has a cannon of an arm. You hope for like field stretch plays, stuff like that. Uh, I, I Elijah Moore, he was fine last year, no matter who the quarterback was. So I'd still be OK taking him at his current draft price. I think the running backs get the biggest boost here, though, Marcus, because Zach Wilson is a mobile, good athlete. Uh, so when he was feeling pressure, you know, last year, he would scramble and look to extend the play. Joe Flacco is going to look to dump it. And I wouldn't be surprised if this just means more running the ball for the Jets. At least when you have Zach Wilson, you have reason to throw the ball like he is the player that you're most interested in developing with Joe Flacco. I think you just try to keep games close and potentially squeak out a win or so. So that probably means more Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Yeah, I'm curious to see if we get you know, further updates, and we will, I'm sure, on Wilson and what his prognosis is. You know, if it's if it's just that he's going to miss, you know, week one, maybe even the first two weeks, 
I don't know that impacts me a whole lot in terms of where I'm, I'm taking those guys. Right. If, if, you know, it ends up being worse than anticipated and, and we're looking at, you know, he's missing four to six weeks or something like that, then maybe it, it will, it will tweak me a little bit on those, some of those ADPs. But uh, if we're just looking at a one week, even a two week, uh, you know, option of, of Joe Flacco, uh, you know, and we still get the the bulk of the season with Zach Wilson, then I think I'm, I'm okay with, you know, Moore and Wilson and, and all those guys at, at where the ADP is. You should be happy that you were um, busy on Friday because man was fantasy Twitter swinging and missing when they were trying to diagnose this knee injury. Like you, you would have thought his knee like fell off. Like that's, <laughs> that's how uh, how much like doom and gloom it was on Twitter. Yeah, you know, I mean, so where we were, it was just you know, a couple people saw it on Twitter. Like, oh no, non-contact injury for the knee. Zach Wilson's out for the day, and, and sort of there was like the oh no, this this could be terrible. Uh, but then, you know, people went back to having beer and playing cornhole. And so, like, you know, there were other things to talk about <laughs> at that point. Uh, other news, Elijah Mitchell dealing with a hamstring injury. He's expected to sit out the rest of the preseason uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. No concern at this point that he's going to miss the start of the regular season. Does this does this give an ADP bump to somebody else in that backfield? Are you more bullish now on, say, a Jeff Wilson or a Ty Davis Price or even, dare I say, Trey Sermon? Uh, I, I guess just very slightly. I, I think it would be Jeff Wilson, and, and you could speak more on this even better than I can. Uh, but it seems to me, Marcus, like Kyle Shanahan loves Jeff Wilson. And if Jeff Wilson is available, we've seen him get 20 carries before when the starter misses time. Uh, I, I'll also I'm more interested in Ty Davis Price, um, who had 10 carries in, in the preseason game. Listen, Marcus, they they were talking up Trey Sermon. He was getting some hype out of camp. He got six carries for 11 yards in in his <laughs> first preseason action. Like to me, that is it's not very impressive at all. But I, I I don't think Elijah Mitchell is going to miss time early on. I think this just makes us more more ready for if he ultimately misses time like he did last season. I think that's probably fair. And and you're right. I think in reality, the next man up is going to be Jeff Wilson. I don't think that's translated in fantasy, though, because, again, like like I always say, we like the shiny new thing. Right. And, and Ty Davis Price is the shiny new thing. And so I think that I in drafts I've seen mock drafts I've done. Um, I've tended to see Davis Price go ahead of Jeff Wilson in a lot of situations. So I, I think this is one of those things where. It's us sort of wish casting kind of what we want to happen as opposed to necessarily reading the tea leaves of what might happen uh, if Elijah Mitchell were to miss significant time. But, you know, in the end, maybe it's a moot point if he actually is going to be back for week one and going to be healthy and going to be the lead running back again. Um, this this conversation may not even matter uh, when and it's all said and done. It, it might not matter if uh, if Trey Lance is throwing rockets like he was on Friday night. That part. <laughs> that's, that's the other part of it, too. If Trey Lance really is that dude, um, then, yeah, it, it really may not have much of an impact. Uh, all right. That's a good spot for us to pivot our attention to the AFC South. And uh, like we have done with uh, all these divisions, we will go by the order of finish from last season. So that uh, leads us off. With the Tennessee Titans, uh, who were 12-5 and five last year to win the division. Their uh, passing leader, no surprise, Ryan Tannehill. Just over 3,700 yards, 21 touchdowns, 14 picks. That made him the QB 12. 
Derrick Henry was the rushing leader, 937 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. And of course, if that sounds low, it's because he did miss a good chunk of the season with an injury. But uh, even with all that, still finished as the RB22. And uh, the receiving leader, A.J. Brown, who is no longer in Tennessee, but 63 catches, 869 yards, five receiving touchdowns. That made him the wide receiver 32 in a year that uh, most of us figured was a little bit uh, underwhelming, but he also uh, banged up at times during the year. So let's let's go back, though, to Derrick Henry, because when he was on the field, he was amazing, as he usually is. Uh, one of the guys that, you know, doesn't have to catch a ton of passes and still has overall RB1 within his range of outcomes. Uh, but last year, Mike, he, he actually was catching the ball more than he ever had in his career before he got hurt. So taking all this into account, what's the earliest you would take Derrick Henry? And I, I'm, I'm even just straight up asking, like, would you consider him at the number one overall? I, I don't consider him at, at number one overall. And he, he, to me, is one of the harder players to figure out in the first round. Uh, I Right now, I'm kind of thinking like sixth or seventh is where I would take Derrick Henry. And, and I know there's Derrick Henry supporters out there who hate me for saying that. And then there's other people who are like, You're, that's way too early still. Um, the thing is, I, I'll, I have Derrick Henry as my RB4. I have him behind Taylor, uh, CMC, and Eckler. And then I would also take Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase over him as well. I, I just, to me, Derrick Henry, I, I think easily can be the RB1. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, with the receiving numbers. Like in eight games last year, he was one reception away from tying his career high. Like it, it was just more passing game usage than he has ever seen before. And that elevates his floor ceiling, makes him's path to being the RB1 even easier. Um, but the only reason I have some cause for concern, and this might sound silly because I'm on the Christian McCaffrey hype train, <laughs> is Derrick Henry is a huge dude who had a severe injury. And, and, and my argument for Christian McCaffrey is none of his injuries have long-term effects. Fracturing the middle of your foot and needing surgery, it, that to me is a scary proposition when you're as big and as fast as Derrick Henry is. Plus, when you have all of the amount of career touches that he has uh, picked up throughout these first uh, six years of his career. So I, I think the upside is still as high as it's ever been, but I just think the floor is a little bit more risky than it's been in recent years. So middle of the first round is, is where I like to take him, but I, I won't knock anyone if, if they say, I, I've seen how good this guy is. I want to take him earlier than that. So I'm, I'm sort of with you on the fact that I've got him ranked as my RB4 right now. I would be willing to sort of take the swing at number four in a draft for him. Um, you know, I, I think earlier in the, the off season, I was thinking about him as the number one overall. And, and as we've gone through the summer, my thinking has sort of shifted on that. So I've, I've kind of moved him out of that spot. I look at the injury situation as last year was the first time in his career that he had missed a significant number of games because of injury. You know, maybe he was out a game here, a game there, but he had never really missed significant time. And so that to me sort of takes away a little bit of the injury concern with him. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm with you on CMC. I think, you know, I, I know he's played 10 games in two seasons, but I don't necessarily fear it the way a lot of other people do. And so I, I'm sort of with that on Derrick Henry too. And, and I, I go back to if what we saw last year in terms of him seeing targets is what the future is, then I think you can be really excited. And, and look, if he's going to get targeted to that level, right, where, you know, he was on pace last year to catch almost 40 passes. And I know that doesn't you know necessarily blow you away, but it, it's far beyond what he had ever done in his career. If he's going to catch 40 passes, 
that sort of lessens the need for him to be Tractor Cito and scoring, you know, 16, 17 rushing touchdowns. Not that he can't, um, but, you know, if he's able to, to get you 12, 15 rushing touchdowns and catch 40 passes and maybe get you a couple of receiving scores as well, uh, you know, the RB1 at the end of the season is still in his range of outcomes, uh, which is not bad for a guy that you're getting maybe at four, maybe at seven or eight, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm still in on Derrick Henry. I know a lot of folks are. I know that's not a newsflash, but uh, I, I just, I always just kind of want to take the temperature of where people are uh, on guys like that at this point in the season. Um, mentioned that AJ Brown is no longer in Tennessee. He gets sent to Philadelphia in the off season and they drafted a guy who I won't say that, that Traylon Burks is an AJ Brown replacement. I feel like the, the scouting report on him during draft season, Florio was that he is sort of the, the poor man's AJ Brown. Right. And then we get to training camp and there are reports that, you know, he, he's having asthma issues that kept him off the field during the OTAs. And then there was a report that he apparently that he actually just lined up wrong once. But somehow this got blown out of proportion and turned into a, a thing of like, it's, uh, Traylon Burks doesn't know the playbook. And, you know, and, and then that has blossomed into is he this year's Jamar Chase. The narrative's got out of control, Florio. So I guess the question is, what do you believe about Traylon Burks and where are you willing to take him in a draft? So I, I kind of believe what I believed coming into preseason that he is a poor man's AJ Brown. Like, like he's a smaller, less athletic version of it. I always, uh, to bring it to like another sport, it's kind of like, uh, like Damien, we would be talking about Damian Lillard as like one of the best players ever. If Steph Curry didn't exist, I feel <laughs> like that's going to be Titans fans with this. Like they're going to really like Traylon Burks but they're always going to compare him to the better version in AJ Brown. So like it, it's going to be hard for him to meet that expectations, but listen, keep bringing all the off season high uh, negativity stories. Cause if you like Traylon Burks, you want more of that because all it's doing is going to lead to his ADP dropping. And if you could get him right now, I think he's going as like a borderline wide receiver three or four. Um, if you could get him as like your wide receiver four, let's say, I, I think that's perfect. Cause it's a lot of upside there. Um, without all the risk baked in because if he struggles you you bench him you you could even drop him but i do think there's a lot of upside because he fell to the perfect situation in a perfect role that was opening up for him what i thought was was funny that you know when all these stories about Traylon burks came out and there was all this twitter hysteria about it you and i had the same thought and that was to go to justin graver uh you know yep. who used to produce this pod and now works with atn and, and rachel bonetta on her podcast benched uh, because he is he is our Titans authority in the building. In fact, if you want to follow him, he's actually at Titans Film Room on Twitter. And, and uh, we decided to both go to him and get his thoughts on it. And he basically was like, this is blown way out of proportion. Uh, yeah, he lined up wrong once when he was working with the twos on a day. And uh, he's like, you know, this, this just, it's, it's gone too far. And so I, I do think it's funny. I think it's probably had a negative impact on his ADP. But that potentially means he's going to be a bargain somewhere. Um, you know, if you're drafting him, expecting him to give you one-to-one -one production as to what AJ Brown could do, then you're probably going to be disappointed. Uh, but if you're looking at him as say a third wide receiver somewhere that you're going to get at a value uh, in the mid to late part of your drafts, then I think you're going to be fine. Um, so this is one of those things where maybe don't listen too much to all the, uh, the Twitter hype and uh, you know, just kind of trust your eyes and trust your previous knowledge and, and draft respectively uh, accordingly. Uh, according to that, 
Uh, all right. So question becomes then who's the first player drafted? Who is your sleeper and who is your player to avoid in Tennessee? Uh, so first player drafted is Derrick Henry. Yeah, he's Obviously, the only yes. Titan even <laughs> sniffing the first round. Um, sleeper. I, my original sleeper was going to be Traylon Burks. But since we talked about him, I'll, I'll just pivot and go Bobby Trees. Um, Bobby Trees is going later than Traylon Burks in drafts, Marcus. And, and when he got traded to the Titans, I originally was like, I'm going to be out on Robert Woods. And then everyone had that thought. And now he's going like as a reserve type of receiver. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I, I know we all are kind of pigeonholing Traylon Burks, myself included, into this A.J. Brown role. But, I mean, a receiver who could take short yards passes and, and pick up a lot of yak, who could be used out of the backfield. Let's let's not act like Bobby Trees isn't that dude as right. well. So <laughs> I, I think he is a sleeper here. And then player to avoid would be anyone besides the three Titans that we have focused on, like Bobby Trees. <laughs> Uh, Traylon Burks, Derrick Henry. I want no parts of Ryan Tannehill. I want yeah. no parts of any of their other receivers there. Maybe like Nick Westbrook-Akinu becomes a waiver wire guy. Maybe one of their tight ends blossoms. But draft-wise, I want it's those three Titans, or and I'm I'm out after that. So I'm I mean obviously Derrick Henry. There's there's no debate. He's the first Titan off the board without a doubt. Uh, this might be because of me being in a room with a lot of smart people and watching them draft over the weekend. But Hassan Haskins is a name that really started to pop up a lot this weekend. And, you know, right now listed as the number two running back there in Tennessee. And look, obviously, for him to get a significant workload, something has to happen to Derrick Henry. But maybe he kind of slides in and, and picks up some third down work, picks up some pass catching work there along the way. Um, and and certainly if you are of a mind to, to back up your number one running back Haskins is probably the guy you want there in Tennessee. Um, but you know, like I said, if, if, if something happens and Derrick Henry can't fulfill his duties, he could be the guy to slide in there and pick up a whole lot of that work this year. Uh, as for me, the player to avoid, I mean, Tannehill was the first name that popped into mind for me. Um, he's as the kids would say, he's mid, like maybe we have a, se a segment on the show called like this guy's mid, like, you know, or something because he doesn't, offer you and you're not going to draft him and make him your quarterback one for sure but i don't even know that he's attractive enough that you really love him as a streaming option or anything like that like it just he's just kind of there and I, I feel like if you if you're picking Tannehill off the waiver wire it's because you were sort of in dire straits at the quarterback position you've got a couple injuries maybe you've got some buys uh, and the waiver wire is just thin but i just don't see a path to him uh getting a whole lot of work or a whole lot of fantasy production this year as you were talking, this was one thought I had, Marcus. One thing that kept him fantasy relevant was he rushes for like six, seven touchdowns every year. Mm -hmm. Malik Willis looked awesome running the ball the other day. Do you think we could see him in a role that we thought Trey Lance was going to be in last year? Like he's like the goal line quarterback where him mm. and I mean, that option with him and Derrick Henry would be unstoppable, I imagine. That would be interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if that's what the Titans would want to do, but that would. That would, I'm sure, cause a lot of headaches for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, you know, at the goal line, like, does Willis keep it himself? Does he hand it off to Henry? Um, that could be interesting. Uh, but you're right. If, if Tannehill's not rushing for those touchdowns, then uh, there's really very little reason to get excited about him at all uh, this year. Uh, all right. Uh, that's a good spot to take a quick break. We'll come back. We will go through the rest of the AFC South. Still three more teams to touch on. That'll be next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Last year, they were 9-8 and eight and just missed the playoffs, uh, in part because their starting quarterback sort of melted down on the field at the worst possible time. Uh, but their passing leader, it was the aforementioned Carson Wentz, uh, just over 3,500 yards, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He was the QB 14. Jonathan Taylor, your leading rusher. In fact, he was the NFL's leading rusher, 1,811 yards, 18 rushing touchdowns, the RB1. And Michael Pittman, uh, your receiving leader in Indianapolis, 88 catches, uh, 1,082 yards, six receiving touchdowns. He finished as the wide receiver, 17. So that seems like a good place to start. Uh, Pittman, a name who was moving very much up draft boards, uh, getting a lot of hype. A lot of folks are excited about him. They're so excited about him in Indianapolis. They put him on a poster dressed as a Marvel character, basically. Uh, and again, big thanks to the Colts for hooking us up with uh, some of those posters. Uh, but for you, what is the ceiling for, for Michael Pittman? I mean, is he a wide receiver one? Is he a top 10 guy? I mean, what what's the best case scenario? Uh, I, I think top 10, it, not only this is how bullish I am on Michael Pittman Jr. I, I have him ranked as my wide receiver 10 heading Ooh. into this season, which might seem spicy. I know I'm kind of uh, calling my shot a little bit there, but I, I think last season he showed us that he is a an alpha type wide receiver, and he what he excels at is the most valuable types of targets. He he's a great downfield uh, receiver who can win 50-50 balls. So not only is he good at getting open downfield, even if he's if, if it's contested, you could throw it up. He's going to come down with it a lot, and that also translates well into uh, the red zone, end zone usage, stuff like that. And the reason I'm so excited is last season with poor quarterback play in Carson Wentz, and by the way, Michael Pittman Jr. must be ecstatic that he did not give up his number <laughs> to Carson Wentz last season. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he saw 26% of their targets and 30% of their receiving yards, both ranked top 10 in the NFL. And he lined up 81% of his routes out wide last year. And Carson Wentz threw only 39% of the time out wide. Matt Ryan last year was 45%. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if that number climbed even a little bit higher this year. So not only improved quarterback play, but I think a quarterback that is better suited to get the most out of Michael Pittman Jr. than Carson Wentz was. So I'm, I'm really excited about Michael Pittman Jr. heading into this season. I, I I love him as a wide receiver one. I'm not quite on him in the top 10. I'm thinking 11-12, somewhere around there. But I still think it's a wide receiver one type season for him, in large part because what you talked about, right? I mean, this is a guy who had over 1,000 yards, uh, nearly 90 catches, and that was with the very erratic Carson Wentz playing quarterback for most of the season. Uh, you know, I, I think just having that change at the quarterback position is going to help a ton. And throwing the fact that, look, we have been trying to – 
figure out who else is a relevant wide receiver in Indianapolis for a few years. I mean, you know, Paris Campbell still has not popped the way we want it. So I think people are trying to draft Alec Pierce and kind of make him a thing. But but we just have not seen anyone else really assert themselves in that pass catching game. And so that means that they're still going to lean very heavily on Michael Pittman this year. And as you mentioned, he's shown that he can do a lot of different things. He can do a lot of really important things for an offense. So uh, I think I think wide receiver one that almost seems definite. And it is a question of like, you know, does does he kick down the door to the top 10? But even if he doesn't, I think a very, very good season uh, is incoming for him. Talking about the quarterback, uh, you know, Matt Ryan for years, I just called him Meh Ryan because that's that's kind of what he was. Um, he's not really that far removed from being a QB one. You know, it's only a couple of seasons ago that he was kind of a top 12 guy. And maybe we have forgotten about that over the last couple of years, but here he is in a new situation. Talk about Michael Pittman. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a, a kind of a quarterback whisperer in Frank Reich. I mean, side note, Frank Reich is part of the reason I believed in a Carson Wentz resurrection last year. Obviously it didn't happen, but I had my reasons. I had my logic for it. So with all that in play, will Matt Ryan finish as a QB1 this season? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think he'll be like a solid QB2, um, but he just doesn't run. And, and that right there is going to make it hard for him to finish a, as a top 12. I also think this is as excited as I am for Ryan and, and Michael Pittman in that duo. This is still going to be an offense that runs through the ground game. Uh, so I, I think. If you don't run, we've spoken about this before, Marcus, you either need a lot of volume or super high efficiency to kind of combat that. So I, I'm not willing to bank on that with Matt Ryan. I, again, I think he's a solid QB2, um, but I, I don't think he becomes a QB1 in, in Indy. You know, I think, I think part of what sort of helped him in his QB1 days, I mean, part of it was the fact that he was obviously very good and he had good playmakers around him, but he also, as you intimated, he kind of existed in a world where there weren't as many Konami code quarterbacks. There weren't as many guys who were running and scoring rushing touchdowns. Like, sure, you had your Russell Wilsons and, you know, you kind of had some Lamar Jacksons in there. But now you've got, you know, you look at the quarterbacks right now and, you know, Josh Allen will run, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, uh, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance. You've got so many guys who can do that, that it is hard for him uh, to be that QB1 because, you know, I, I don't know that he's going to be the guy that gives you He's not going to give you 4,500 passing yards. He's not going to give you 40 passing touchdowns. He's not going to do those sorts of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady things in the pocket to make up for what he doesn't do uh, as a runner. So uh, for all the excitement, and I, and I think he helps the guys around him, um, I think you're right. I think he's he's best left probably on the waiver wires, a streaming option, uh, maybe a second option in some of your two QB leagues, but, but that is probably about it. Um, all right. I say first player drafted. Although let's just let's just cut to the chase. That's going to be Jonathan Taylor, right? So we can get that one out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, your sleeper then, and your player to avoid in Indy. So sleeper, I thought about the wide receivers, specifically the two that you had mentioned in Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce. But I, I'm going to go with Naheem Hines here, mm -hmm. who I think is just being overlooked and, and way under drafted. Like Naheem Hines is always going to have a role because they like him in the two-minute drill. They like him as the potential third down back. And Matt Ryan, every year, it's between, for, for the last, like, six years, it's either Matt Ryan or Tom Brady leading the league and in, in passes to a running back. So I, I expect a lot of dump-offs uh, to, to both running backs. I even said the other day, like, what if 
Jonathan Taylor gets even more targets than, than we think he's capable of getting just for a product of being on the field with Matt Ryan so much. But Naheem Hines is someone that you can get like uh, very late in drafts, and, and I, I think he's being overlooked. Player to avoid, this is a hard offense to pick a player to avoid in, Marcus, mm-hmm. but I, I'm going to go with Matt Ryan, actually, and, and I don't mean this in a sense that I think Matt Ryan is going to be bad. Uh, in fact, I think that Matt Ryan will likely outperform where, where you have to draft him, but if I, I said it on last week's show, if I'm taking a second quarterback, unless like my QB one is like Trey Lance, someone like that, where I'm not, I'm not feeling a hundred percent confident in it. Um, I, I'm going to go, I want upside in my QB two, So I'll take like a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields. I had Zach Wilson ahead of, of Matt Ryan. I'll take Daniel Jones. And I'm doing that knowing that Matt Ryan is probably going to outperform two, three, maybe that whole bunch. But I just think that, that bunch has more upside. So if I'm taking a quarterback two in a draft, I want to shoot for, for the highest sort of upside. And Matt Ryan is to me, just more of a safe floor type of quarterback. So I'm, I'm with you on the sleeper there in Naheem Hines. Um, and especially if we go back a ways uh, early in the off season, you know, there was a couple stories that came out of Frank Reich basically saying, saying something to the effect of, look, I don't play fantasy, but if I did, uh, I might be in on Naheem Hines this year, uh, you know, and, and basically intimated that they were going to use him very heavily in the passing game, that he was going to see the ball a lot. And in the past, we always get like the Naheem Hines game that tended to be frustrating. But if he puts together a handful of games this year, then I think he has a little bit more fantasy relevance. And I know a lot of times coaches tend to both blow smoke and we we maybe uh, get too high or too low based on things they say. But but this felt kind of genuine. Uh, of him basically saying that we we want him to be a big part of the passing game. We want him to be a big playmaker. And um, I will tell you that over the weekend, there were a lot of folks who were taking some late round shots at Naheem Hines. Uh, so he is probably a name, you know, especially if you're in a deeper league to, to kind of keep in your back pocket. It's kind of a, a, a bench ad, a, a depth ad uh, to your roster at the running back spot. For me, the, the players to avoid. Right now, it's it's pretty much any wide receiver there not named Michael Pittman, just because I feel like we have been down this road for years now and, and really have had nothing to show for it. And you look at kind of the guys around him, um, you know, there's Paris Campbell, who we're still waiting to see. Maybe he, he turns into something. There's Alec Pierce, who, who people are, are being hopeful for. But, I mean, beyond Kiki Kuti, Isaiah Ford. I mean, there's there's just – there are no names that pop off the page as guys who potentially could really make that leap. So – uh, if I'm going to take a shot at a late round wide receiver for depth that I think has upside, I don't know that I'm looking to Indianapolis to do that the position's so deep. There are lots of guys in other places. So, uh, I just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of out. Uh, if it's not Michael Pittman, then I'm looking somewhere else, uh, to get some wide receiver help. Um, Houston Texans four and 13 in 2021 Davis Mills was their passing leader 2664 yards 16 touchdowns uh 10 interceptions QB 29 their rushing leader who this was tough Rex Burkhead 427 yards and three rushing touchdowns he was the wide uh the running back 52 uh and their receiving leader the perpetually underrated Brandon Cooks 90 catches, just over a thousand yards, six receiving touchdowns. He was the wide receiver, 20. Uh, first question is simply how many Texans are you comfortable drafting this year? Four, okay. but 
I do not want them all on the same roster. Like there, <laughs> there will be no team where I come away with four Houston Texans on it. But I, I think Damian Pierce is, is a very strong pick, uh, especially since he's going kind of late. I think that's going to change after after what we saw in the preseason. But he looked great this past week. And, and in fact, he had five carries. He forced two missed tackles on them, picked up two first downs, averaged nearly 10 yards per carry, and had 42 of his 49 rushing yards come after contact. Like, he was a strong running back showing, and he is someone that I've been saying since the draft is a sleeper candidate to lead all rookies and touches this year. Brandon Cooks is always underrated, Marcus. You know this. You've been on Brandon Cooks, uh, I would say, more than most. uh, And he just keeps producing. Like, he gets overlooked because of the teams he's on and because everyone in the NFL disrespects him. But he's he's a good... uh, wide receiver and a good fantasy wide receiver at that and then later round dart throws i think nico collins uh potentially because someone has to step up as as the uh the wide receiver two here and and he's a talent that i liked last year and then marlon mack only because teams get weird with rookie running back so (laughs) if they decide to not use damian pierce early on in the year i could see marlon mack getting like 15 plus touches and he's purely like a last round dart throw right now so I am very much in on on three of those guys. I don't think I've been able to talk myself into Marlon Mack. Um, but Damian Pierce, I've been big on all offseason. And for a while, it was like, great, because I felt like I was you know, getting a decent ADP on him. It was starting to creep up. And then after what he did this weekend, um, you know, when you've got people, when, look, when you you got Matthew Barry out there tweeting, you know, hey, man, this is the best running back in Houston. I'm like, please be quiet. You know, <laughs> please stop saying this. Please stop saying it out loud. Um, so I've been in on Damian Pierce from the beginning, just at first, but mostly because of opportunity, but then seeing what he's put on tape so far in preseason and training camp, uh, really makes me excited about him. Uh, obviously Brandon cooks, you know, you should be drafting Brandon cooks and Nico Collins is I think worth it. Uh, side note, I sitting in the Kings classic snake draft at 14 teams with a lot of really smart people and, uh, our pal Scott Pianowski over at Yahoo, uh, took Nico Collins in the eighth round. And this is, I'm not saying this to shame Scott at all. That just was a reminder of how quickly uh, the draft pool sort of hollows out when you're talking about a 14 team league that uh, Nico Collins goes in the eighth round and nobody bats an eye. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Uh, Brandon cooks finishes the wide receiver 20 last year, being drafted as the wide receiver 20 kind of consensus right now too high, too low, just right. I think it's just right. Like he he's right now my wide receiver 22 in my rankings. But with that being said, he's in the group that I love his tier. Like I, I even tweeted this the other day. I was like, I love this tier of wide receivers. I, I have like Juju, DK, Cooks, Michael Thomas, Amon Ross St. Brown, Bateman, Gabriel Davis, the Broncos guys. They're all in the same tier for me. And I'm fine taking any of them. But ranking them is so hard because <laughs> there's pros and cons to each of them. Um, so I, I'm fine drafting Brandon Cooks. I think that ADP is fine. Um, he, he is just so underrated, like you were saying. Like every year, this guy goes for 1,000 yards. Every year, he plays at least 14 games, scores at least six touchdowns. There's one year in like the last seven seasons that he's failed to meet those those thresholds. So he he's just a very safe wide receiver, too. Um, I, I think some of those other names I said have higher upside, but their floor isn't as safe as he is. So I, I think he belongs in that grouping. I think his price is just right. Yeah, I think it's right, too. Um, and you're right. There's there's just a, a handful of receivers all around that same tier that, that I feel like 
you know, there are pros and cons to all of them. Uh, the thing I like about Brandon Cooks is his consistency. It's also his consistency considering the variety of quarterbacks that he's had throughout his career, moving from team to team. And, and you know, he's had good quarterbacks. He's had not so good quarterbacks. He's had quarterbacks in the middle. And either way, he continues to be steady. I think that's going to happen. I've been saying all offseason, there are really only a couple positions that are for sure set on that offense. I mean, they, they are still going with Davis Mills at quarterback to see what, what he can be. We know Benny Cooks is the wide receiver one. Um, after that, a lot of things are, are sort of up for grabs there in, in Houston. But, you know, you all should be drafting Brandon Cooks. Uh, you know, he's even maybe worth going a little bit higher than, than what he is right now. But, but if you're getting him at wide receiver 20, I think you feel pretty good uh, about the situation there. So uh, in Houston, first player drafted, sleeper, player to avoid. Uh, first player drafted, Brandon Cooks, for, for yes. all the reasons that, that we have spoke about. Sleeper, Damian Pierce is no longer a sleeper. We've already spoke up Nico Collins. So I'll go with an even deeper sleeper here. I'll, I'll go Brevin Jordan, uh, their, their big tight end. He's 6'3", 245 pounds. Last season, he had 20 catches. Three of them went for touchdowns. So I, I think this is a guy who could be a really big red zone threat for them. And, and Marcus, we know when we're talking tight ends, if you score a touchdown, you have a very strong chance of being a, a tight end one that week. So, this is good enough. <laughs> yeah, I, that, And that, I think, is the one knock on Brandon Cooks, right? Like, he's great everywhere. In the red zone isn't necessarily his strong suit. So that's why I like Nico Collins, another big-bodied receiver who last year I thought was a sleeper to lead this team in, in receiving touchdowns. It was a year too early. But if it's not Nico Collins this year, I, I think it could be Jordan because they're just both big body targets that davis mills could throw the ball up to in the end zone and then player to avoid man this is another really hard team because <laughs> like out, outside of cooks and damian pierce everyone else is so cheap i i guess i'll say davis mills he's getting some hype uh as like a, a sleeper but for me i i have him behind like Lawrence Fields, Matt Ryan, all the other quarterbacks I was talking about earlier. I, I've never once been like Davis Mills. That's the quarterback I want as my backup. So uh, I guess he's the player that I've been avoiding. So uh, for me, first player off the board, obviously Brandon Cooks. Um, that, you know, no, no need to, to dive into that anymore at this point. Um, my sleeper, I'm still going to lean toward Nico Collins just because uh, I, I do think Damian Pierce has graduated out of that out of that category. But I think Nico Collins is a guy who, uh, you know, people sort of like him. Um, I don't know that, you know, outside of, of us degenerates who've been drafting for months, I don't know how many people, uh, you know, who are just starting to log back into fantasy football are on Nico Collins. But as you mentioned, a big body guy, uh, you know, Davis Mills has, he's got a little bit of YOLO in him too. So he might be willing to throw a few up in that direction and seeing if, if his big body receiver can make a play. So I think that that gives him some kind of some sleeper options. Uh, and my player to avoid is probably going to be Davis Mills just because it, I know I, I keep saying that I think he was the best rookie quarterback last year when you factor in the situation and everything around him. Um, that doesn't mean I think he's necessarily fantasy relevant. I mean, uh, I mean, when, when you look and statistically it was Mac Jones as the best fantasy quarterback and we're not we're not hyping up Mac Jones. We're not talking about Mac Jones a whole lot. Uh, I don't know that that gets me super excited about Davis Mills and his fantasy prospects in, in 2022. So. Uh, all right, so that puts a cap on the Texans. So we round out our AFC South 
preview with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were three and 14 in 2021. That does not even begin to explain the horror uh, (laughs) that was the 2021 season for the Jaguars. We won't get into it here. I'm sure you know the story. If not, just, I don't know, Google or something. Um, Their passing leader, Trevor Lawrence, 3,641 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks. He was the QB 22. James Robinson was your rushing leader, 767 yards, eight rushing touchdowns. Obviously suffered that uh, tough injury at the end of the season. He's the RB 24. Your receiving leader, Marvin Jones, 73 catches, 832 yards, and four receiving touchdowns, wide receiver 34. But let's start with James Robinson. Had that, that injury late in the season. Um, has worked his way back, I think, faster than most people would have anticipated, uh, has been on the field during training camp, is starting to get some work in there. We still don't know, though, what exactly his role is going to be, how how healthy he's going to be, how much he's going to be used once the regular season starts. How comfortable are you drafting James Robinson, and, and where is that sweet spot for you? I'm not very comfortable drafting him. I, I, I like that he's been going as like an RB4-ish. Like, like around the like outside the top 40 at, at some points, but he's slowly creeping up and up the more good news we get out of him. And man, I'm scared because Cam Akers, who is younger and, and a better athlete, really struggled uh, coming back very quickly from uh, from a torn Achilles. So James Robinson, who already was a running back who didn't rely necessarily on like his athletic ability, if, if that takes a hit, I think James Robinson, it's sad to say, like I'm hoping that he can become the player that he wants that he was prior to this injury. But I think there's a real risk that we don't ever see him return to that caliber of player. And uh, they have another running back on the roster that uh, I I'd much rather draft uh, <laughs> in Travis Etienne. Yeah, Travis Etienne has been a very popular early round pick, and I've seen his ADP going up and up and up. I will say that I've been willing to take the shot on Robinson, but obviously it's much later. We're talking probably, you know, after round nine, probably more in the double digit rounds. Um, and it really does depend on the on the roster that I'm putting together. If I feel comfortable at running back, if I've got two or three guys that I'm really, really comfortable with, then I'm more willing to take that shot on Robinson and seeing what he can be. If he comes back healthy uh, and is able to be productive, then I, I feel really good that I've got another good player there. Um, and if, you know, if it turns out that he's just, you know, kind of getting touches here and there and doesn't look like the same guy, then at least I, I will talk myself into saying I didn't spend a whole lot of draft capital there. So, uh, I, I have been willing to do that. I've been, I've been very comfortable taking James Robinson in a lot of spots, but I do understand the concern that look, uh, I mean, look, as much as we were excited about Cam Akers and the way he hustled back and got, um, you know, got back on the field, uh, you know, people have pointed out that in the playoffs, he was not actually very good. Um, so maybe you know, we'll, we'll see what Cam Akers looks like this season, but it might be something to keep in mind uh, when you're talking about James Robinson. Uh, I feel like we haven't talked much about Christian Kirk since he signed there in Jacksonville. At least you and I haven't. I know a lot of other people probably have, but uh, you know, the Jaguars spent a pretty penny. I mean, they gave him the bag to come there and be their wide receiver one this year. This is a passing game that last year was pretty awful. It hasn't been great in a few years. Where are you drafting Christian Kirk, if at all? I I don't really feel very bullish about Christian Kirk. I'm not fading him either. I have him ranked as my wide receiver 48. So, like, a wide receiver four, uh, I'm okay with. To me, I, I do think he'll outlive that ranking that I have of him. But I could see him being, like, 
kind of like a Van Jefferson was last year or Tyler Boyd, something like that, where like they'll finish in total points as like a top 35 wide receiver, but like you're never going to feel that they're that, you know, like there'll be a couple of weeks here and there, but it's going to be, I, I think maybe potentially unpredictable. I could see him finishing somewhere with like eight, 850 receiving yards, something like that. Um, they paid him. I think he'll be their top target. I, I, I'm buying back into like Trevor Lawrence and, and this offense in a bit, but I don't know if I like, I like Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if I want any of his specific targets, you know, if that makes sense. It's one of the offenses where I think I'd rather just have the guy throwing the ball than the, the four or five different guys competing for targets. The fact that you were saying he can have a Van Jefferson like season. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know me, I am a Van Stan. I love Van Jefferson, but if you're talking about a guy that you have signed as your wide receiver, one that you backed up the truck for the, the, the pay truck for, uh, you want more than Van Jefferson numbers, but that's not to say, I think you're wrong about what his production is going to be. I mean, I think, I think you're sort of spot on with that, which is why I, I have had zero interest in drafting Christian Kirk this off season. And, and maybe, maybe it's. Maybe it's my own bias, right? Maybe I need to shake that off. But the years in Arizona where I tried to buy in on Christian Kirk only to be disappointed, uh, maybe maybe it's a little bit of that, that I'm, I'm still in my feelings about that. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, there's just nothing about his past performance, about the makeup of this Jaguars offense that suggests to me that he's going to be a guy that I'm going to feel comfortable with as you know even a wide receiver too. Coming up this season, I don't know, maybe best case scenario, he's a third wide receiver, uh, you know, maybe a flex guy on occasion. But I, I think it's going to be a tough ask for me to start Christian Kirk week to week. And for that reason, I just I just have not drafted him anywhere and haven't even really give him a, given him a whole lot of thought so far in this, this fantasy draft season. So, uh, all right. So one last one, then first player drafted, uh, the sleeper and the player to avoid. First player drafted should be Travis Etienne. Uh, I, I'm... I'm one of the people, Marcus, that are pretty bullish on him. And I last season, I wasn't because I was like, James Robinson's here, all these other reasons. Uh, but then this year now, James Robinson, obviously a lot has changed there. And, and I was looking more into Travis Etienne. He received a perfect 99 prospect rating score from this cool next-gen tool, next gen stats tool that takes college performance, uh, athletic testing, and strength of opponent and, and kind of puts it all in an algorithm and spits out a grade for each prospect. He got a 99, and, and the only other running backs in recent years that got a perfect 99, Brees Hall got one this year, um, Najee Harris, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley. like They're all elite running backs for a reason, so I, I'm going to trust that. He's got great burst. He's a really good receiver who already has chemistry with Trevor Lawrence, and he was a touchdown-scoring machine in college. So I think a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him. Uh, sleeper, I, I was going to say Trevor Lawrence. But I've already spoke about him a, a good amount. I, I think Doug Peterson's going to go a long way for him. It's a pass-heavy offense that likes to spread out the ball, and Lawrence can run with his legs. But since I've already spoken about him a bit, I, I want to talk about Evan Ingram real quick, Marcus. Mm -hmm. in, in Doug Peterson's tenure with the Eagles, and I know people could say Evan Ingram is gross. We're sick of doing this. All this <laughs> stuff. In Doug Peterson's tenure in Philly, 32% of the targets went to tight ends. Zach Ertz every year saw at least – 106 targets i'm not saying evan ingram is going to get that sort of volume <laughs> but 
even if he gets like 80 targets, like that, that could be a, to be a tight end. Like it's a big part of it is because he's a tight end, like 800 yards would make him top 12. So I certainly think that is possible for Evan Ingram there and player to avoid. It's really all the other Jaguars. Like I'm, I'm not interested in this passing game outside of Christian Kirk, who I'm already, I just said a little while ago, I'm not really bullish on him, but like, I'm not, taking late round dart throws on Marvin Jones or LaVisca Chanel or Zay Jones. Like I, I think there's a chance that one of those guys becomes like a waiver wire guy throughout the season, but I just think there's higher upside shots that I'd rather take in, in the later rounds of the draft. So uh, Lawrence, ETN, Ingram, after that, I'm like, eh, I'm kind of good here in Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, yeah, first guy off the board is Travis ETN. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I've, I've seen the ADP rising. Uh, as the, the preseason has has continued so I, he's he's easily going to be the first dra- jaguar drafted um sleeper part of me wanted to you know keep my trend going of being a lavisca chenault stand but i just couldn't i couldn't in good conscience do it um and it was kind of hard for me to find one I, i'm gonna lean towards zay jones in this one just because i think he will offer in some ways it's sort of what you're talking about with evan ingram he can potentially offer just some easy throws a little bit, some easy completions for Trevor Lawrence. And that was something that I think was sort of lacking last year. You know, Christian Kirk is a downfield guy. Marvin Jones is a downfield guy. I think at times he's Lawrence is going to need somebody just in the middle of the field or in these short areas where he can just get the ball out and keep moving the chains. And I think Zay Jones has the chance to be that. Now, am I drafting Zay Jones? Probably not. If I am, it is, it literally is end of end of draft dart throw. But I do think, you know, if things go the way I imagine, uh, he could be a guy that has some waiver wire value in the first couple of weeks of the season. So I think he's got a, a potential chance there. Now, player to avoid along those lines, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from a lot of the Jaguars pass catchers. Uh, you know, I mentioned Christian Kirk, a guy that I haven't even thought about. Same with Marvin Jones. Um, you know, at least at least with Kirk, you can talk yourself into the story of, you know, they've invested heavily in him financially. Uh, so they're going to get him involved. I think Zay Jones has a role in the offense that will blend well with the quarterback. So, so he's going to get involved. Marvin Jones, who's been, you know, a, a pretty good player throughout his career, is getting older. They don't necessarily have any real investment in him at this point in his career. And, you know, I, I wonder, even though he was the leading receiver last year, does he factor into their plans for the future? Uh, I just I see a scenario where you have a lot of other guys kind of surpass him in terms of the target share and and what they do in the offense. And so while he's been, I think, a nice sort of I'll say this last year, Marvin Jones was one of the guys who was really visibly, you know, angrily upset about what was going on with Urban Meyer. And you know, by all reports, Marvin Jones is one of the most low key, chill, easygoing guys in the league. And the fact that he was bent out of shape about what was happening, I think, spoke volumes as to how bad it was uh, in Jacksonville at some point. But uh, all that being said, I I don't know that I, I want any pieces of, of Marvin Jones this year because I, I think, um, you know, the Jags as a franchise may start to turn the page uh, and do some other things at the wide receiver spot. But, uh, you know, it's as you mentioned, it's a hard group to to actually single out a player to avoid because I think they're only – there are, there are fewer players that you're actually interested in and more players yeah. that you're probably not. Um, so so there it is. That is uh, our look at the AFC South. So we are, we are what, uh, three quarters of the way through the AFC, uh, which next uh, Wednesday we have the AFC West, which that one, ooh, ooh, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Draft 
everyone in that division. Pretty much. Just, <laughs> just draft them all. I mean, it's funny. I should go through and like look at ADPs and see how many AFC West players uh, have like, you know, a top three round ADP. I would think it's got to be a lot just just because of what yeah. we expect so far this season. So uh, looking forward to having that conversation uh, coming up on Wednesday. In the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Take care of yourselves and the people around you. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.